Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Our action step today is the same as always, be devoted, be devoted. If you want to find more depth on this, you go to Acts chapter 2. We're to be devoted to teaching and scripture and prayer and what the apostles taught. And so we're jumping on that today. Last week, we answered the question, what does it take to be devoted? What does it take to be devoted? And the answer was ownership. It's ownership um, because it's your faith. It's your relationship. It's your life. It's your eternity. So we must take ownership in our uh, devotion. Now, our relationship with God from day one is discipleship. If we don't take ownership of our relationship and we begin the process and begin the process of becoming disciples, we slowly start to lose hope in what we put our faith in. I want to say it again. If from day one we don't take ownership of our relationship with God and begin the process from day one becoming a disciple, becoming a follower, we slowly start to lose hope in what we put our faith in or who who we put our faith in, and we immediately start looking back to ourselves for answers. And, and we all know that's empty. Proverbs 29, 25 will tell you that. So the reality is your relationship rests on you. It's not anybody else's. You have sole responsibility. God is always going to do his part. Last week we talked about how consistent God is in our lives, but a relationship is never one-sided. It takes two. It takes two. And so we've identified that when we start to lose hope, we move from devoted to drive by, we referenced that a few times last week, and from and from drive by to disengaged, and from disengaged to despair, and from despair, as much as we hate to say it, it turns to despise. And so devotion, if we look at this, devotion is love, loyalty, or enthusiasm, and that's love, loyalty, enthusiasm for a person, activity, or cause. Did you know that wherever you find enthusiasm, you will find success? That success has never existed without enthusiasm because people are fired up about it. So if you can find enthusiasm in your heart for God, you're going to be successful in that relationship with Him because you're expectant, right? We expect God to move, period. And the reality is, is we lose our enthusiasm, and when we lose our enthusiasm for it, we lower our expectation. Our expectation suffers for our lack of devotion because of our lack of consistency. Hope you're tracking with me. And so you want great devotion. And so if you want great devotion, you really need three E's, three E's in your relationship with God, energy, effort, and enthusiasm. All of these you can control. If you'll put these three E's into your relationship with God, you will benefit greatly. Wherever you find these three E's, you will find success as long as there's consistency and so then being devoted means you have to give or have great reverence for god <clears throat> it's hebrews 10 22 through 23 okay and we've said that we've referenced that so many times if you're taking notes write that down hebrews 10 22 23 now the next uh the next two are where we see kind of the most christians we go through those those d words that we've been talking about This is where we tend to see most Christians or most believers live, drive-by, right? What do you mean drive-by? Superficial, what's drive-by mean? Superficial or casual. It's hurried though. 
superficial, casual when it's convenient for me, or it's hurried. Why? I got to get that out of the way. I believe in it. I believe in it. Uh, but I'm in and out, and it's about my convenience. It is a holy have to if I'm talking about a drive-by here. It's something that we have great head knowledge in, right? And we still believe it's important, but it's not a priority. That's how drive-bys come. And that's Matthew 6, 5, if you want to go more in depth on what drive-by means. From drive-by, we go from, so then we're, we're essentially going down. We're trending down right now, which I really don't like to do, but it's, it's going to give great clarity. So we go from being devoted to driving by. Because we've lost our consistency in our drive-bys, we go to disengaged. Disengaged means we emotionally detach. Okay? We're three parts whole. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.23, right? Spirit, soul, body. And the first to suffer in us when we start to disengage is our emotions. We just don't feel it anymore. Disengaged. And drive-by or disengage is where most Christians tend to live. It's why you see 80% of most people who even believe only attend a church gathering or a church function once a month. And so then that's the average of 80% of people who believe are only going 12 times a year. Okay? They're driving by or they're disengaged. Now, once we disengage and we don't feel it anymore, it only takes somebody to kick us or hit us one time and we go to despair. And despair is the complete loss or absence of hope. We don't believe anymore. It's, it's the Polar Express. We can't hear the bell. I can't hear, I can't hear the bell anymore. So we leave the church because we're mad, we're hurt, we're disappointed, we're angry, right? And 60% of our country sits here, despair, okay? They're de-churched. They've been there, they've been in, and, they were, and, and most of us were in with the wrong attitude, with the wrong heart, for the wrong reason, and so we found ourselves a quick exit, right? And if you find yourself in that seat today and you're in despair, and this is like, well, that's online, I can do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if your church has offended you, hurt you. I'm sorry if you have a wound that, um, that's been unhealed, that's been uh, <laughs> unaddressed. And so then that's, that's not what it's about. You can find yourself here. And Hebrews 10.35 speaks about this in depth if you want to jump in there. This is giving you guys lots of great content for homework this week, depending on where you find yourself. Now, there's one more place that you can go. And it's pretty dark in this place. And it's to despise. So you go from being, being in despair, complete loss or absence of hope, to despising. And this is to feel contempt or deep disgust for. That doesn't really need further, further, further information or further expect, uh, exp, explanation. And so you see how we can go from one extreme to the other. When we talk about being devoted, going from devoted to drive-by, drive-by to disengaged, disengaged to despair, from despair to despise. And we're devoted. <clears throat> when we're devoted, we reverence God. We reverence God. We aren't perfect, but we're energized. We're putting in our effort. And we have an expectation, and it's not because we have to. It's because we want to. It's, it's a deep devotion. When we despise, despise is the opposite of reverence. We're going to go to the exact opposite now, all the way down to despise. Despise is the exact opposite of reverence. There's anything but love for God in, when, I'm, when I'm in that position, when I'm in that seat. And people who despise God have turned their back on Him. They've quit, 
And they've, they're going the exact opposite way of faith. If believers, churches, Christians, holy people are going this way, we're going the opposite because that's just it. We've had enough, right? <clears throat> and so I've created some bar graphs to kind of explain how, um, how we view things of the world, how we view our Christianity, and how God views our Christianity. And so I hope you'll hop in with me. Make, take some screenshots of these if you want, whatever you, whatever you want to do. Um, <clears throat> it's totally up to you. And so... In the beginning, let's talk about just things outside, and we're going to get into some, to some really, good, really good context and content about what God says about this. And so let's talk about our appreciation of what's around us. And so in the world, in, in, in the things that we want, the things that we desire that are outside of our spiritual needs or spiritual wants, when you talk about the physical, the materialistic things, you have an appreciation for something, and your appreciation looks something like this. You have this graphic. And what, what you see here is um, before you have what you so desire, your anticipation for it, your appreciation for it is really high. Man, I've got to get that new car, new shirt, new shoes, that boat. Like, and, and again, I'm doing a terrible job of saying this, but there are little bitty things that we want so bad. I've got to get a new phone, right? There's this thing coming out, man, I can't wait to get that. And we appreciate it a lot. And then we get it. And we get it in the first week is amazing, right? And then we go from having it and it's real to like a couple weeks in, hmm, it's not as high. We're glad we have it, but it's, it's not consuming us anymore. The honeymoon phase is over with this new whatever it is, Right? And we get to the place where we're like, man, that's, that's really not what I thought it was going to be. I really don't need that. And so we sell it or we give it away or we donate it or we do whatever. And when we do that, our appreciation goes back up for it. Man, I can't believe, really wish I uh, should have, right? And so let's transition that, that view to our faith. And here's how our faith looks. If you look at it like this, before we walk into a relationship with God, become churchgoers, uh, you know, start our discipleship, you know, plan. It's high. We have a high expectation, right? We're going in and things are good. We're expectant. And then we've been there for a few weeks and it's dropped. Few weeks, few months, few years. Everybody kind of goes through differently, right? And it drops and it drops because we've been attacked. Somebody said something. It's not what I thought. It's all the things our appreciation is not what it was. Our expectation is not what it was. And then after we've been there for a while, what happens? Boom. We're running on empty. It's low. It's low because we're exhausted. It's not what we thought. It's not what we thought. And, and so we've had enough and I, I just can't do this anymore. And so we walk away and this is the decline of devotion, right? And for some of us, we were more devoted when we first became followers of Jesus. That's why baby Christians, people who are young in their faith, tend to be the most faithful and faith-filled is because they have an expectation. And they see that people are doing it, and it drops a little bit. And then, they, then people hurt them. Something is said. They don't get to be in part of this group or that team or this circle. And so then they find themselves here, and they wonder, well, I thought God was in this. But if we never really look to God and never connect to God in the beginning of this, then, then all of this is for naught. And God was up here at the top. He was there the whole time. 
I'm not saying that he wasn't with you along the way, but he was trying to show himself to you. He's trying to show himself to us through the process, and we're missing it. And we're missing it. And so then how this happens in the church, there's two, there's two kind of ways to look at this. As a church leader, you go from leading, being all in, to transition to like, once a mo- I'll be here once a month, to I'm not going to be on this team anymore, to I'm leaving the church. And as an attender, as an attender, here's how it goes. You're in the auditorium and you're sitting on the front row and you go from the front row all the way to the back, you know, and you go from the back to watching from the lobby and you go from watching in the lobby to watching online to not watching anymore. That's the decline of devotion. Now let's look at how God intended this to be for us. Okay. It's my last graphic. Before... You have the same great expectation. This is the same expectation you had when I'm looking at the decline, right? This is that. This is that bar, right? Same great expectation. God's going to move. This is going to be great, right? And then your next step during is a step up. Because why? Because God has come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. God wants more for you than you want for yourself. You're diving in. You're digging You are deeply devoted, which is what we're talking about next week. Deep devotion. Okay. And after what's after after is heaven. It's the inheritance that you have. You find at the end of Colossians chapter three, there's an inheritance waiting for you that you cannot comprehend. And so this is God's intentions for us in our faith walk, in our discipleship, in our devotion to him as we go. It stair steps up. It gets better every day. It's not that there won't be trials. There won't be struggles. That you won't be hit from the side. That you won't be pushed in the back. That people aren't going to say stuff because people are ignorant. And that's what we do, right? It's not that any of that stuff's going to happen. But you see that God is greater than all of it. That God is greater than all of it. And we're all going to a place when we set our eyes above on things that are above and not below. On things of heaven, not of earth. Things that are pure, right, lovely, true, noble. All those things. When we do that... We constantly rise up, but it's hard. It's so much harder today than it ever has been because it's easy to get confused and lost and we shift our focus to everything else but what we need to be focused on. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. And so then, when our devotion drifts, many times it's due to the fact that we can't feel God. Our devotion will drift and we'll go from devoted to drive-by because we can't feel it. So then we think He's not listening. And so then we feel alone. Feel alone. Feel like God's not here. And in Isaiah 45, 15, God admits that sometimes, sometimes he hides his face from us. Okay, stay with me because this is t- this was tough for me. This is a normal part. This is a normal part of being a believer. This is a normal part of your maturing in your relationship with God. Sometimes it stinks. Matter of fact, I don't know if there's a time that it doesn't stink because depending on the depth of your relationship and how consistent you are, how much you remain connected to the source, depends on how much it stinks for you. How much are you leaning on God? How much are you trusting God? How much are you trusting yourself? You don't build character. You don't build character in a crowd. You build character when you're alone. That's when you become the most like God. And God's goal for you is to develop Christ-like character. That's God's number one hope for you. And so you build the most character when you're alone. How often are you alone? How much, how often do you sit still, be still and know that I'm God, right? Psalms 46, 10. How often do you do that? 
The times you feel alone are absolutely vital. They're absolutely vital to, you, to the development of your faith. And I think a lot of us learn this the hard way, right? Too many times we don't like it. And so because we don't like being alone, we won't, we're not willing to sit alone with God and have a conversation to read, to pray, to worship. I find in my life, man, when I feel the lowest and I'm, and I'm, and I'm beat and I'm discouraged, the number one thing I can do is worship. Man, get the focus off of me and my situation and turn it back to God. Let's work our way up, right? And so then, instead of engaging when things get tough and we feel alone, instead of engaging and going one step further and leaning in, we drop one step back and that creates distance. And that's the start of where we go from our devotion, being, being fully devoted all into drive-by. And we make our first drive-by there. And our first drive-by doesn't make a difference, right? Because it's not devotion. And so then we see this like, well, well, I did this today and I still hit 72 red lights on the way to work. So God's just not with me. And we're taking all the external, th- all these external things and saying that this is God and it's not. And it's not. And a lot of things, a lot of people think that um, when God seems distant, they think when he's distant, they think he, that he's angry with them. Right. That he, well, he's just disciplining me because uh, I ate 47 brownies last night and that's gluttony and that's a sin. So I shouldn't do that anymore. And, and and I'm, I'm joking, but I'm, but I'm being serious. We create all these deals. Well, he's just getting even with me. This is, I can't hear, I don't feel, I can't sense. So he's just getting even with me. And it's really none of these. It's none of these. All he wants to know in those times is will you continue to love him? All he wants to know in that time is will you continue to trust him? All he wants to know in a time when you feel alone is will you obey? Will you still be willing? Will you still be willing? Will you still worship? When you're alone is when you develop the most character. And when you have no sense of his presence or the evidence of him being around you is not visible and you can't see his work in in your life, will you be consistent? That's what he wants to know. Hebrews 6 warns us against turning away from our faith. You need to read this this week. This is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 9. Talk about the disconnection we've already covered. That decline from being devoted to despise. It talks about it in depth, including getting lost in the externals of life that we've talked about. So go there. I'm going to pick up in verse 10, and this is where it starts to kind of uptick. Okay. Verse 10 says, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown for his name in ministering to the needs of the saints, God's people, as you do. And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence, consistency, all the way through, all the way through, so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be spiritually sluggish, but will instead be, be imitators of those who, who through faith lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in Him and in His power and by patient endurance, even when suffering, and are now inheriting the promises, the progression, great expectation, greater, God has greater for you than you have for yourself, the inheritance that we have coming to us. This is with full assurance, full assurance with patience, 
not looking for another way, but trusting God is the way. But trusting God is the way. Well, I can't see it. I haven't figured it out. I don't feel it. Don't know it. Doesn't matter. Trusting God is the way. Verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to him for refuge, for refuge, it's part of that, be still and know that I am God, would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. Hold tight. This hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of our soul or of the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope, steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. So then, what you see in Hebrews 6 here is the comforts of God are strong enough to support us under our heaviest and hardest trials. Will we remain is the question. He is a refuge for anyone who flee to him for mercy because of or through the redemption of Christ according to the covenant of grace. It's been given to us. When we lay aside everything else that we have confidence in and be consistent with him. Realizing this, that we are in this world, each of us, like a ship at sea, we talked about ownership last week, like a ship at sea, tossed up and down and in danger of sinking. We need an anchor. We need an anchor to keep us sure and to keep us steady. Gospel hope is our anchor. Gospel hope, Jesus, is our anchor in the storms of this world, period. Because He is the gospel is sure and steadfast. And if it wasn't, it could not keep us. But it does when we remain consistent, right? So if you find yourself in this place today, here's your action step. Such great depth to Hebrews chapter 6. I hope you'll dive, hope you'll dive into that this week. I love the, ratio, I love the revelation that comes through scripture, the depth, how much depth has come through Psalms 4610 over the past six weeks. It's blown my mind. I hope it's done the same for you. I love the revelation that comes as we seek. So Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, here we go. This is the big, if we're going to park on one thing, this is it. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. This is the amplified version. And I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. What Jesus is giving us rest from is what you'll read about in Hebrews 6, 1 through 10. You're going to find it there. That's what he's saying. Okay. He then says in verse 29, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. What do you mean rest? Renewal. Blessed quiet. Oh my gosh, come on. Who, who could do some blessed quiet right now? For your souls, bless quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Now, that's automatically we hear that and we think that's heavy. I don't want a yoke, right? Generally speaking, we don't associate easy or light or rest with yoke. We think about lockdown, confined, heavy, trudging, right? 
And the two concepts, both peace and yoke, strike us as opposites. Those, those don't work together. Those don't come together, right? How can anyone find rest by putting on a yoke? It's a big question. And when Jesus spoke of a yoke, he was referring to your relationship. Please, please dig in right here. A relationship in which two, a yoke, would walk side by side in the same direction, covering the same ground, encountering the same obstacles, and traveling at the same speed together. This is the yoke that Jesus is asking you to put on. A relationship in which two walk side by side in the same direction, covering the same ground, encountering the same obstacles, and traveling at the same speed. This is how he can lighten your load. This is how he makes it easier. This is how he gives you rest. But unless two be agreed, how can they walk together? Is what Amos 3.3 says. So then if I'm not in agreement, if I'm not devoted, if I'm driving by, right? If I'm in despair, if I'm unsure, and if you're at a place of despise right now, you're not yoking up with anybody, right? Anybody who, who, who says I'm a cr, cr, out, right? Let alone Christian. So then to disagree with God is to be disobedient. And when you don't walk agree, what you have is a fight or a battle of two wills. God's will and your will. Your husband's will and your will. Your wife's will and your will. You know, your coworker, your whoever. This is a battle of wills because we're not in agreement. So you cannot put on a yoke and walk and walk with anybody side by side, same direction, covering the same ground, encountering the same obstacles and traveling at the same speed. You can't do that in disagreement. And what you do is, is so then you, you're disagreed, but you yoke up anyways, okay, with a church, with a pastor, with a husband, with a wife, with who knows who, right? And the first thing you say is, this wasn't what I thought. Wasn't what I thought. Of course not. You're not agreed. And it's never going to be what you thought because you started wrong. You started wrong. And it goes exactly how you plan. And when you do this without God, the first question you ask is, what do I need God for? I got this. I'm yoked up when I go to work. I never take my yoke off. I'm on call 24-7. You see this trudging, heavy, religious, ritualistic. It's hard. It's hard. But God, by inviting you or us to submit to his yoke, he's asking us to come alongside him. Hey, why don't you come alongside me for a while? I can see that, that you're tired. I can see that you're weary. Hey, would you come alongside me? And what I want you to see is he's offering three things when he says, take my yoke. He's offering three things. First, he's offering to help shoulder your burdens. And, and it takes a while for us to give all of them to him, right? But he's offering to shoulder your burdens. He's offering to guide us. Because whenever two are yoked together, one of them, one of them is leading. One of them is leading. And so he's asking, he's offering to guide you. And third, he's offering instruction on how, how we should go. God and you, how we should go. 
Because God knows where you need to be and when you need to be there. God does. Well, my calendar says, I tell you what, I got, I got to get this meeting wrapped up so I can get the next meeting because I got this thing done. God knows where you need to be and when you need to be there. And he invites you to come alongside him so he can shoulder some of your burden, lift some of your weight, make it a little bit easier so you can learn his ways. He offers you an opportunity to walk beside him through everything so you can walk at the same speed and encounter the same obstacles so you can have peace, blessed peace, is what it says. And many view the yoke of Christ as a threat to our freedom. Oh, what do you mean? And from their perspective, a yoke is a yoke is a yoke is a yoke regardless. I don't need anything else to tie me down. I'm already, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I can have one more thing in my schedule. That's how busy I am. I'm so busy, right? And it was for this very reason. I hope you get this. It was for this very reason that Christ made this offer to the weary and the burdened. Those who have been to a place where they are broke. Broken. I'm so exhausted. I will take anything. Any help I can get, I will take. It's for this reason that God offered it to these two people. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Those who had tired, <laughs> those who had tired, those who had tried and tried on their own and they failed, who are weary and burdened. Try, 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 trudge, 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 work, 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 and failed. And so he says, come to me. Come, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. And the people who are weary and are burdened are always willing and they're always ready to receive. God would love for us to take this yoke before we get to that place. It's only when we humble ourselves and we team up with God that we get to experience His presence, His personal peace, and it becomes reality in our lives. Here's what Proverbs 16 says. This was, I've read Proverbs, guys, I've read Proverbs for... More than 20 years, I've been reading a proverb a day, okay? I saw this for the first time. Proverbs 16. In Proverbs 16, talking about this becoming reality. And I've, I've heard every one of these scriptures taken out of context before. I've taken these scriptures out of context before. So I'm guilty of this, okay? But in Proverbs 16, we see what happens. What's the result of us taking the yoke and walking with God? And you would say, you're in Proverbs. That's, that's not a story. You're right. It's not a story. But I'm just going to tell you, it is. Go to Proverbs 16. 16.1 says, we make our plans, but God has the final word. Guidance. He's leading. Guidance. What happens when we take the yoke? We make our plans. God says the final word. That's what it says. You go to verse 2. All the ways of a man are clean and innocent in his own eyes, and he may see... Nothing wrong with, act, with his actions, but the Lord weighs and examines the motives and the intents of the heart and knows the truth. He's going to share. He's going to guide. He's going to guide. He's going to lead. You're going to come to things at the same time. He's going to walk with you. He's going to offer counsel and advice. That's where we're going to say, well, we've had the gift of discernment here. Yeah, we, we have discerning of spirits. I can discern this really well. I have wisdom in this, and I know. Why? Because I'm walking with God. Verse 3 says, commit your works to the Lord. Submit and trust them to Him. This is amplified. 
and your plans will succeed if you respond to his will and guidance. Commit. What's it mean to take my yoke? Proverbs 16, 1 through 3. Let's look at verse 9. In a man's mind, a man's mind plans his ways as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs his steps and establishes them. Take my yoke. And Proverbs 16 ends the same way that it begins. Verse 33. We make our own decisions. He really, this is Solomon drills home here. One, two, three, four. There's five scriptures here. We make our own decisions, but the Lord alone determines what happens. What happens? Man can plan, but God has the final say. And when we walk with him, it's a lot easier than walking alone. When we remain, we're consistent, we're devoted. And what happens when we take up that yoke? Take my yoke. Easy. Light. Together. Let's walk together. I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to shoulder some of that. I'm going to carry some of that. I'm going to care for that. I'm going to handle that. I got that is what God is saying. And when we do that, we see that that the way that God intended our faith to work, if you remember that bar graph, is we come with an expectation. He exceeds the expectation, and we inherit something we can't comprehend. That's faith. That's your walk. That's your walk. Life happens. We talked about that. But that's what God intends for you to have. Our devotion can only be called devotion when it is with Him. Because if you are alone... You're not in devotion. It's you. John 15 says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Take my yoke. Let me walk with you is what God says. The action step is right there in Proverbs 16. And it goes back to, it ties so beautifully to John 15. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know about you. If you got a yoke around your neck and there's nothing next to it, if the next slot's empty, that's brutal. And you don't have the key. God says, hey, I have the key. I'm going to have the key. I'm going to make it light. I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to make it right. We're going to do this together. I hope you you see that today. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are, or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.